One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The FT. Welcome to a special edition of World Weekly from the Financial Times focusing exclusively on the unrest in the Middle East. I'm James Blitz, standing in for Gideon Rackman, who is in Davos. And with me in the studio is Rula Khalaf, our Middle East editor, and Robin Wigglesworth, Gulf economic correspondent of the FT. This week, after popular uprising to Tunisia, there have been riots in Egypt, and thousands of Yemenis have taken to the street, calling for the end to the regime of Ali Abdullah Saleh, the president. What's the significance of these demonstrations, and where do Arab autocracies go from here? Let's look at the situation in Egypt first of all. A series of protests in the capital Cairo has prompted the Egyptian authorities to ban demonstrations, but many are set to defy the ban. Yesterday, Michael Peel, our Middle East correspondent, sent this report from the demonstrations. I arrived at uh, Tahrir Square, um, quite near the, the Parliament building, to find thousands of people... Um, around, uh, some chanting, some whistling, um, uh, a few playing drums, simply watching. And uh, the whole uh, occasion had a real energy. Um, The protesters were uh, up against the walls of riot police on on key thoroughfares, uh, leaving off off the the square. Um, But uh, people calling quite openly for um, demands for President Hosni Mubarak to, uh, to stand down after uh, almost 30 years in power. Um, Mubarak gets on a plane. Uh, well, it was the kind of thing that people were saying in, in a reference, uh, it seems pretty clearly, to the example of Tunisia, where, of course, uh, the fact that there was a popular uprising there which chased President Ben Ali out of the country earlier this month has really galvanised people throughout the Arab world. Well, with me is Rula Halaf, our Middle East editor. Rula, how much danger do you think the regime of Hosni Mubarak is in now? What's been happening this week has put enormous pressure on the regime of of Hosni Mubarak, probably a kind of pressure that's unprecedented. Um, The government in Egypt has always tried to portray um, the ruling party, the National Democrat, Party as the only alternative. Uh, the other theory that they've always put out is that if it's not us, then it's the Muslim Brotherhood, which scares the West. Um, this week, what we've seen is young, educated middle classes going mm-hmm. out onto the streets and demanding very specifically, these are political demands. There are a lot of social demands, but the main demand is an end to 30 years of rule by Hasni Mubarak. Mm. Uh, and I think this is very significant because it does not, the regime can't fit it into any of the stereotypes mm. that it has used in, in the past. Um, and I think mm. more than anything, any kind of other pressure that Egypt has seen in the past, there has to be a response. I think the two key questions, I suppose, are these. Is is the, the various groups that are demonstrating, are they collecting together into a kind of critical mass 
that really could be a significant challenge to the regime? I think that's the first question. What, what do you think? It's much more difficult to, f- mm. to figure out what's happening um, outside Cairo. But at least in Cairo, this does appear to be more of a middle class movement today which does not mean that the workers will not be joining. There are enough social economic problems in Egypt. You know, 40% of the population lives in poverty. So there are enough reasons to bring out more people uh, onto the streets. But in some ways, the types of people who are on the streets are seen by the regime as a huge, as a very big danger. That's clear. So there is a chance that this middle class demonstration could actually build up into something much broader. That That is there. And then the second question then is the Mubarak regime itself. I mean, the key question when these riots and demonstrations happen, we saw it in Iran last year, seen it in Tunisia. The question is, is the regime going to react in a very tough way? In Iran, they did. In Tunisia, they didn't. What is going to happen in Egypt? Um I think that, yes, on the security front, they've, for, so far they're treating the, this purely as a security issue. And I think that they are now faced with a very difficult choice because the Tunisia example shows us what? That you make one concession, th- then um, protesters ask for more. You make a second concession, they want more. You make no concessions, it could still build up. I mean, mm. it did not. It it had to be. It was silenced at the end in in Iran, um, but it may not be silenced in Egypt. Mm. So I think that there is a very difficult choice today for um, for the regime, whether to make concessions or to try um, to hold firm for as long as possible and hope that the security crackdown. Uh, will take people off the streets. One of the things you've brought out in your reporting in the paper is that a fundamental issue is now being raised, not only in Egypt, but in a number of countries like Syria, Libya, and so on, and that is this idea of dynastic succession of the so-called elected president, if you like, to his son. This is something you think that is clearly now under pressure in a number of countries. Yes. In fact, I think that this whole we'll see an end to to this i think that if what we're seeing today on the streets and not only in egypt but in a number of other arab countries um is that people are saying enough of you know the sort of uh, presidents for life so the attempt to actually extend their rule even beyond life I think today, and this is what a lot of analysts now believe, um, has been made virtually impossible. And you think, in the case of Egypt, just finally, the idea that Gamal Mubarak is going to succeed, whatever happens, is now being severely questioned. Even if Hosni Mubarak survives this and goes on, there are elections, of course, in September, and the question arises now whether... Gamal Mubarak really is in a position to succeed his father. Yes, absolutely. I think that uh, Gamal Mubarak's chances were already being um, undermined because there there were big questions as to whether the army um, would support such a choice, given that I think it's pretty clear to the military establishment that Egyptians would not be in favor um, of a Gamal presidency. Uh, and I think it's now taken a, yeah, a very, very big hit. Ruler, thank you very much. And with me here is Robin Wigglesworth, the FT's Gulf correspondent. And we're going to talk a little bit about the economic impact 
of these demonstrations. What has it been so far? As, as, as investors look at what's happening in Egypt, they've seen what's happened in Tunis. What's the response been? Well, I mean, there's been surprise, certainly, perhaps even shock at uh, the scale and persistence of, of demonstrations in Egypt. Uh, the stock market in Egypt, one of the oldest and largest in North Africa, has been weakening ever since uh, Ben Ali fled from Tunisia. But things have been starting to look up until this recent bout of demonstrations there. Uh, the stock market fell 6% yesterday. Uh, it fell another 10% today, despite a uh, brief suspension to let people get, gather their breath. Uh, and that's pretty dramatic in a market that has been one of the healthier ones in the region, across the Middle East, really. It's been a darling of international investors. It's the only member of the MSCI's Emerging Markets Index, which has meant that a lot of international money has flowed in. Uh, it's given international businesses uh, reassurance that they can go into this market. It's been a key reformer in the region as well. But perhaps even more important than the decline in the Egyptian stock market has been uh, uh, the slide of the Egyptian pound. I mean, Egyptian currency is, is relatively free-floating, not too much. They try mm. to keep it under control. Uh, but it's been falling under pressure from outflows from international investors. This is perhaps even more dangerous to the regime. Yes, it would be worrying, of course, because a, a decline in the value of the Egyptian pound would obviously make food imports even more expensive. Is that broadly right? Yes, no, exactly. I mean, Egypt is one of the largest food importers in the world, in fact. Mm. Uh, it's, it cannot feed its 80 million people. Uh, and when 40% of them live on less than $2 a day, I mean, any sort of increase in food prices is painful. How big has the devaluation been so far? Uh, the decline hasn't been dramatic as of yet, and the Egyptian central bank does have currency reserves to back up the currency. However, if the pressures continue, uh, the government faces two difficult choices. It can either pass on the increased food costs to the consumers, which risk worsening uh, the protests, or it can increase subsidies, which is expensive, very expensive. I and mean, the Egyptian government spends a large part of its budget on the energy and food subsidies already. Uh, and if food prices continue to rise, that will be painful. Uh, One question that I want to ask you at this point, I mean, is there, you're seeing all this happening in uh, Egypt, but is there any sign at the moment of this having an impact on the economies of other states that maybe haven't yet been affected by demonstrations, but where investors are thinking, well, if I've seen what I've seen happening in Tunisia and now Egypt, what else is happening, maybe in the Gulf? Are we seeing any kind of impact on, on financial pri prices there or what they call the real economy? Well, it's certain that events in Tunisia and Egypt more recently have captivated people in the Gulf. Uh, those countries are, however, very different. Uh, there are some countries that are richer than others and some are poor, but overall they're not in the same position uh, as the North African countries. However, it's clear that these concerns are arising, especially in places like Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, which uh, Saudi Arabia is a very wealthy country, but is also a very large country with a lot of poor young Saudis who are unemployed. Uh, there have been demonstrations there. This hasn't affected the stock market yet, but it's clear from fund managers and analysts I've talked to that it is at least a rising concern. This was discounted perhaps before, and it was seen as an exclusively North African problem. It's certainly at least being talked about now. Uh, in certain countries, I mean, Yemen, we've seen huge demonstrations, and the Yemeni currency has come under huge pressure. Yes, I was just wondering there, just finally, on Yemen, how are investors in the region reacting? Because we're seeing demonstrations there as well. Well, Yemen is pretty much devoid of foreign investors. It does have some Gulf investors. I mean, there's Qatari money there, there's Saudi money, usually to prop up the regime. So they're very political investments. So it's it'll be interesting to see how uh, sure they are. But clearly, uh, the Yemeni 
um, currency has, uh, has, has plunged and has been falling for some time now. Yemen is another country that is plagued by food shortages. It uses most of its water to go cut, it seems. Uh, not exactly uh, the wisest choice of resource. Uh, so the drop in the, the currency will exacerbate the situation there. Robin Wigglesworth, Gulf correspondent. Thank you. And that's where we'll leave it for today. For the latest developments and more FT world news, do visit the website at www.ft.com forward slash world. My thanks to Michael Peel and Rula Halaf and Robin Wigglesworth in the studio. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.